It's safe to say having a healthy skepticism around spiritualism is a good thing, especially when you hear stories about people who are described as self-proclaimed fill-in-the-blank. So uh-huh. whether they're a healer, a fortune teller, a, again, fill-in-the-blank, it's safe to say you can enter with a little bit of caution. Healthy caution is is definitely the way to go. Yeah, I agree. So we're talking about Rasputin today, who was a self-proclaimed healer and fortune teller. Hmm. And his legacy is defined by a debatable healing of a royal heir. Well, if it's debatable, I'm ready to debate. Let's go. (laughs) All right. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Rituals, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Christine Schieffer. And I'm M. Schultz. And every week we'll explore the evolution of spiritualism and the occult through stories, practices, and the impact on modern culture. So we're talking about Rasputin today. I'm pretty excited about this one. He was, I know we say this a lot, but he was a character. He was a character. I don't know anything actually about Rasputin. <laughs> I I can't wait to tell you a secret in a couple minutes about uh- my thoughts on Rasputin. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, let's crack into let's it. Let's crack into it. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by The Weather Channel. The key to solving any mystery? Smart decisions based on the facts. In the case of the weather's effect on your well-being, turn to the Weather Channel app. It clues you in on how weather shapes your mood, health, and productivity with insights built on reliable forecast data to help you thrive. Because mystery belongs in true crime, not weather. Be a force of nature with the Weather Channel app. All right, and before we get into the whole Rasputin thing, I mean, I'm on the edge of my seat about this secret you allegedly have for me, but I do wonder, and I know the answer probably already, have you ever self-proclaimed yourself as anything? Not in a serious way, I don't The answer has to be yes. I feel like it has to be. I mean, I do call myself many things, but that's like like a snack connoisseur or like... (laughs) Like, I mean, like silly things of that, like champion of naps. But when it comes to like a <laughs> a title 
uh, that could get me in trouble. I don't know about that. Unless you're talking to a real snack connoisseur or a champion of naps, then I <laughs> don't let them know I call myself that. A certified snack champion. Well, okay. There was a time when we first started recording the podcast that you kept referring to yourself as a priest. And I oh, yeah. remember being a little confused about this. And ultimately, I discovered that you had gotten, uh, what's the word? You've been ordained ordained as a reverend online, like who could wed people. But you called yourself a priest repeatedly. And I remember thinking, I don't think that's right. It's because I was a bad reverend. I didn't know <laughs> the difference. I don't, kind of still don't. But like that wasn't on the test. So I just... <laughs> They just the said, you can, you can do this now. And I went, OK, it's, that sounds like what a priest does. So I'm going to just lean into that. Yeah, I remember because we had been talking about exorcisms and you were like, I guess that means I can do them. And I was like, I don't think we should go that extra step. You know, I don't. I can apparently do weddings. And then at one point, I think the the list that I could do funerals and baptisms. And I was like, that sounds like a lot. That sounds like, huh. like, like high stakes. So I don't know. I've never done one of those. Only I've only done a few weddings. Yeah, you know, a wedding can be reversed. A funeral and a baptism seem like pretty life-altering, soul-changing stakes. Also, a baptism feels like specifically meant for like a religion that I don't practice. So it feels extra wishy-washy. I'm not sure that that, yeah, I don't know that that would really fly with most people. But you did do my wedding. So I feel like you are hopefully certified in that in that regard. I can do Leona's baptism. What do you think? I think probably no. Okay, that makes sense. Because I think probably there's going to be no, we could do like our own baptism. She's not really getting baptized. I was going to say, if if I'm allowed to do a baptism, I don't think it's a I don't think I'm helping a child enter the kingdom of God. So <laughs> we can just do whatever, I guess. And technically, it'll be official, right? Just get a kiddie pool. Make it happen. Yeah, just do a little Duncan. You know, we're good. <laughs> well, when you hear stories of healers, for example, self-proclaimed healers, where do you usually stand on how valid, on like the validity of the healing that they do? Mm, well, I think it depends on the definition of healing that they're doing, because if it's like a spiritual healing, I'm definitely open minded to that. And like spiritual healing, as in like maybe doing Reiki or even I believe that like tarot or something is a form of healing. If that fulfills an intention you're going for. But if when it comes to physical healing, I have yet to see anyone convince me that that's possible, because when I think of like a physical healer, I think of like the white lighters and charmed and like just sticking their hands over you and just healing your body. And I, I haven't seen anyone be able to do that yet. That is sort of uh, what Reiki is, though. I mean, it is intended to heal or it can be intended to heal. I think for me, like a white lighter from charmed is like you have a massive gash in your arm and in 30 seconds, mm. you're fine. And, like sure. you know, movie magic healing. And I don't know if that's true. Do I feel like you've run come across those kind of people, though, because I feel like usually people do layer it as like spiritual slash physical healing in my personal life i think you know the answer to this because (laughs) i sure do (laughs) wait good point what am i talking about of course i'm not gonna say who but i i will say i know someone in my personal life who i do not agree with their beliefs by the way i just happen to know of them that they think they can cure people with their bare hands. This person may or may not also be in QAnon, but um, (laughs) they (laughs) think they are an actual physical instantaneous healer. I see. And I think just having someone like that in my space 
involuntarily, by the way, but like to know them at all immediately puts a bad taste in my mouth that there are people like that. You know, what? I, I absolutely take back what I said because I was thinking, oh, people are usually really subtle about it. And then I was like, wait a second. No, no, no. You have this a- person's pretty direct. Yeah, pretty direct. Yeah. So I was trying to dance around that earlier. But let's just say I know someone who has only showed me what I'm not a big fan of, which is the troubling side of the troubling quote, unquote, side. Yeah. Healing. Yeah. I totally understand that. I have relatives who are less direct, I suppose, but they do kind of believe that uh, and may or may not also be in the German QAnon who (laughs) believe that they can heal anything, like any ailment with Mm -hmm. some sort of powder or little pill of who knows what herb. Uh, So, yeah, I've, I've definitely been there, too. So I definitely have a skepticism. That brings up a good point, though, because I think like based on different cultures, there's different methods of healing that people really go by every now and then. I only say that because you just mentioned that mm. your relatives were from Germany, but I feel like every culture's got their like own little like shortcuts to like take care of you if you're sick mm-hmm. or something like mm-hmm. that. So I think the the word healing the definition is different for everybody. But I, it's a loaded topic, I think. But to answer your question, when I think of like a spiritual healer who's doing something outside of this world to help you. I don't know. I am very open-minded to it existing. I've never seen it happen, though. Mm -hmm. I've done several levels of Reiki training. I'm not a master certified yet, but my mother is. Do you think it works? I do, actually. It would be wild if I thought it didn't, and I took like four courses in it. But <laughs> I would honestly, that would be a ringing endorsement for it to not work, though. Yeah, I'd that's true. Like, I just can't convince me. <laughs> is there like an element to it that feels really powerful? Is it like a mind over matter thing or an intention thing? Or you know, I've thought about this a lot, and I think what really was the most validating for me was when they partner you up with somebody else, and this person doesn't tell you maybe what. Seems like all anybody over the age of like twenty five has some sort of pain or ailment, right? So they, <laughs> your back they hurts. Everything. You're hurts. sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> that was the champion of naps uh, talking to you, actually. <laughs> so you know it's the truth. I know. And so you would be partnered with somebody different each time, and you would do kind of you know the the ritual of it, and and it was it was practice. Like we were beginners at this. So it's a safe place to kind of just guess and see and try it out. And it was just kind of amazing. I mean, I've always had this where if somebody's in pain, like I feel it physically myself. And so I was like, there's something wrong with this lady's right ankle. And you just felt Mm. that it felt hot, like not touching it, but like above it. I was like this lady's right ankle. And it was really wild. She was like, oh, I sprained it last week and it's really hurting me. And then Somebody did mine and was like, oh, you have like a bowel disease. And I was like, I sure do. So I don't know. (laughs) There's just things like that that are very validating that something is happening if you're in the right headspace. Well, let's just put it this way. I believe you a lot more than I believe the other people in my (laughs) life who are claiming things. (laughs) I think they see themselves as like a a demigod. Let's put it that way. And so I think it's harder to believe those people. But I am open to spiritual healing in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm totally on the exact same page as you. Well, Rasputin, our new friend, he always felt he had a spiritual calling. And, mm-hmm. you know, speaking of like having a calling, I know you were called to go to clown school at age 14. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fine. What a wild way to be able to insert that in wherever you can. I love it. Uh <laughs> 
yes, I had a calling to go to clown school. And the calling, by the way, was my mother saying, you have to do something after school. You can't just go home. And I was being spiteful and selected something I thought she couldn't possibly enroll me in. But she found a way. <laughs> Joke's on you. Her and I are really good at like, being like, oh, really? Well, then why why don't you? And then the yeah. other person doing like it. Like playing chicken. Like you're just not going to give in. Yeah. She's very good at calling my bluffs. I learned that early on. <laughs> so that's how I'm a, I also am a self-proclaimed professional clown. So <laughs> That's not self-proclaimed. You have the certificate to prove it. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Anyway, this story also deals with a little something different than what we've discussed so far, which is political power mixing with spiritualism. And as we know, that is a dangerous game to mix politics and the spiritual, but we've seen that over and over again already so far doing this podcast and our other podcast. So yeah, lo and behold. I feel like anytime we've mentioned like a skill in spiritualism or even not even a skill, but something everyone's being swindled into, mm -hmm. politics is like right around the corner and using this tactic. I feel like between Ouija boards, crystal balls, seances oh yeah i know there's been more than that we've covered maybe tarot uh spiritual photography or whatever it's called spirit photography they have all found their way into politics very quickly it's kind of amazing how fast people rise to the <laughs> white <laughs> house by doing right. some of this yeah. stuff <laughs> so em we're gonna get into rasputin but you said you had a secret for me i do want to know what you know about him if anything so tell me it's very embarrassing oh even better <laughs> well so I learned about Rasputin. I learned about the name Rasputin, at least, at a very young age. And I learned about a lot of people at a very young age. And I think Rasputin was one of the people in my little kid brain that mixed him up with other people I was learning about uh -oh. at the same time. So I never knew who Rasputin was because I, even to this day, confuse him with Rumpelstiltskin. I was trying with all my might to figure out where this was headed. And that is not <laughs> where I thought we were headed. I feel bad because one is like a legitimate person, but I could never remember which one it was. And one's a magical fairy elf. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what he is. I don't but... know what to tell you. And I'm also now saying this out loud. I'm now paranoid that I'm confusing Rumpelstiltskin with a different person from fiction also. But in my mind, Rasputin and Rumpelstiltskin, they both sounded like a name I've never heard of before. I learned about them mm -hmm. around the same time. And I also never think about either of them. So anytime one gets brought up, I have to go through that moment of like, oh, no, which one is this? Yeah, hopefully the context would help a little bit, considering one is a fairy tale and one is... I just knew both of them were stories from forever ago or had been... I had heard about them for... I don't know. Leave you alone. But that is a... I knew going into this story, like I hadn't thought about Rasputin or Rumblesillskin in like 10 years. And at that time, too, I was like, oh, which one am I, am I thinking of right now? Then 10 years pass. And then we find out that we're going to be talking about Rasputin on here. And in my head, I go, oh, which one is that again? So I am excited to officially finally learn who, Rum uh, not Rumpelstiltskin, <laughs> who Rasputin is and put it to bed. Okay, well, let's get into Rasputin. So Grigory Rasputin was born in Siberia around 1869, and eventually he just went by Rasputin, which some historians now think meant where two rivers meet. What a beautiful, beautiful name. So a confluence. A confluence. Rasputin sounds better. Yeah, okay, you're right. 
He wasn't a very educated man, and he developed a strong belief in paganism, but he also developed into somewhat of an alcoholic. So he struggled with alcoholism, at the same time was kind of delving into pagan beliefs. And when he was a kid, Rasputin had said he had these divine visions and healing abilities. So, Mm. of course, already the town is talking, and they're kind of not into it. Because as you can imagine, being quote-unquote quirky back then got you called more of a devil child than anything right. else. Yeah. yeah. Quirky wasn't the same thing it is today. <laughs> yeah, quirky didn't really have a place at the time, I think. People in town tried to stay away from him. He was not somebody people wanted their kids to hang out with. But as he got older, he developed a sort of reputation that he was able to foresee the future. Oh, okay. Hey, well... I think it's cool, but I'm, I don't know about the time. Yeah. Yeah. He found his place eventually. I think the devil child thing wore off after a while and he was able to make a name for himself. Fair enough. So he got married at 19 and had three children. Unfortunately, two others died shortly after birth. But not long after that, he basically up and left his family to travel to Greece and to the Holy Land. And there's kind of a gray area here. So mm. the version I just said, he, you know, traveled to the Holy Land and left his family behind. Sounds almost spiritual, like he was on a mission. But other stories say he was actually yeah. running from the law because he stole a horse. Uh, Wait, so he fled a whole country, not just like to the next town over? Well, huh. for a no, horse? No, no, no. <laughs> like he stole, was it made of gold? Some people believe he had stolen a horse and was running from the law because he was going to be arrested for stealing said horse. And so instead, he fled the country. Oh, 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 oh. I'm saying that. Not like chasing the horse to Greece, but... Okay, fair enough. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, got it. So either way, his interest in spiritualism did get stronger. He ended up at the St. Nicholas Monastery, where he finally learned to read and write. And this is also where he said he got his calling to become a monk. Interesting calling. Uh, we are going to address it oh. more thoroughly later. Let's just say it didn't work out. He ended up being nicknamed the Mad Monk. So not necessarily a good look. Oh, not the name you want to be called in public, I don't think. I don't think so. Rasputin also made friends with a famous wandering holy man named Makari. And in the past, this Makari was a spiritual advisor to Tsar Nicholas II and Empress Alexandra. And this actually proved to be a pivotal moment in his life, which we're going to get into. But before he'd be introduced to the Tsar and his wife, Rasputin did some wandering of his own. He would take long walks in the woods and go on these long pilgrimages. I don't know. To me, this just, this is, I hesitate to use this word, but it's irritating because I'm like, you abandoned your wife and three children and now you get to go on all these long walks and like discover spiritualism. I'm like... That's so selfish. Anyway, that's just my little my little side note. That's fair. It sounds like he's just kind of uh, doing what old Rasputin wants, and uh, yep. that's enough for him. But I guess if it's a calling, it's a calling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, I guess if you have a gut feeling strong enough where you're like, it's time to leave everything I know. Goodbye. Like, okay, I wasn't there. I don't know what you saw or what you felt, but... I don't know how much gold that horse was made out of, but I guess <laughs> I guess it's time to go. Well, you know, okay. Good to him, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so according to Sky History TV, Rasputin wandered for three years. He didn't bathe. He didn't change his clothes or, get this, touch his own body. He didn't touch his own body at all. Hmm. Which is, I'm thinking, what if your forehead itches? But I guess he just don't What itch if it. you have to go potty? I guess you don't touch anything. You just kind of you just go. W- wiggle around until everything's out of you. Okay. 
That's nice. <sighs> and wandering for three years, that's <laughs> quite a long time to, I mean, again, good for him. I don't know what he was going through. Of Clearly yeah, something. Something. Yeah. Yeah. He even decided to wear iron shackles to increase the hardship of suffrage. Yeah. He was going through something, I think. <laughs> He's gone through it. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. During his walks, he got involved with a secret spiritual group called the Clists. Hmm. I don't know how this happened during his walks, if he just bumped into them in the forest doing some sort of ritual, if he wandered into one of their groups. I'm not really sure, but he got involved with these clists, and I'm going to tell you about them. Basically, they're an underground offshoot of the Orthodox Russian Church. It was regarded oh. as an anti-church cult. There were no priests or leaders in this cult. They would dance frantically around to reach a trance-like state and then basically have sex so basically have an orgy whoa well they saw him wiggling around when he went potty he was like you know how to dance <laughs> like you're in yeah. now this is the thing the clist's belief was quote sinning to drive out sin oh wrap your noggin around that one i don't know how to i'm gonna go have to ask the people i know who i uh, who are like in QAnon and stuff because that feels backwards right like so basically they're saying oh well we sin to get it all out of our systems basically which is like but then are you getting out of your system or next right. week are you meeting again you're just doing the thing over and over also that feels like the exact occult experience that like all the the movies growing up warned me of of like they're just in the woods dancing and having orgies. Absolutely. Absolutely. A hundred percent. It's like what every PSA was warning us about. As I said, Rasputin met folks who had advised Tsar Nicholas II and his wife. His spiritual work got the attention of some Russian Orthodox clergymen, and he was introduced to Nicholas and his wife, Alexandra, at a very crucial time in their lives. So talk oh. about a confluence or a rescue. Ah, oh. oh, Christine. Oh, I just got some <laughs> poetic goosebumps. Oh, that makes... Okay. Wow. That really did it for me. Good job. Coming up, Rasputin's work for the Imperial family is where he'd get most of his notoriety, from being a spiritual advisor, a possible healer, and his prophecies that can't really be ignored. CeraVe Facial Moisturizers with SPF protect skin against damaging UV rays and continuously deliver three essential ceramides to help restore skin's protective barrier so it can lock in moisture. Non-greasy, fragrance-free, and won't clog pores? With CeraVe, skin feels hydrated and looks healthy all day. CeraVe Facial Moisturizers with SPF from the number one dermatologist recommended facial moisturizer brand. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. All right. Are you ready to meet the Romanoffs? Uh, yeah. I feel like when I think of Romanoffs, <laughs> I think of like Scarlet Witch from the Avengers. Oh, not Scarlet Witch, the Black Widow. Sorry. Her last name is Romanoff in the comics. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, we have definitely a different... We're not talking about the Avengers. We're not doing that. But we are talking about Rumpelstiltskin, so... We sure certainly are, yeah. I'm following, got it. Got it. So, the Romanovs. Let's meet the Romanovs. Tsar Nicholas II and his wife, Alexandra. We're going to talk about how the universe brought Rasputin into their lives. Okay. So, Nicholas II was the last Tsar of Russia. He took over after his father in 1894, but the problem was he was very inexperienced with running a government. Mm-hmm. Even he knew this. He called himself out. He told a close friend, quote, I am not prepared to be a Tsar. I never wanted to become one. I know nothing of the business of ruling. It's quite a thing to admit. I love his honesty. And also, I feel like most leaders would not have that self-awareness to be like, hey, maybe no. I don't fit the bill. But no. also, I feel like that's a lot of us mentally being like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I just. Oh, yeah. We're all pretending we know what we're doing and we don't. <laughs> I just got here one day. So, you know, it makes him maybe not the world's best leader, but I certainly find him the most relatable. <laughs> relatable. The imposter syndrome. I get it. You yeah. Know? We're all confused. The same year he became the Tsar, he married Alexandra. One major goal, of course, was to have a son take over the throne. But unfortunately for them, they had four daughters in a row. Oh. Seems to always be the story. Yep. With no sons and being very obviously not great at his job, the people turned against Nicholas as their ruler. Ooh. Finally, Alexander gave birth to a boy, Alexei, in 1904. But Alexei was born with hemophilia, which meant his blood was really slow to coagulate. So basically, if you even get a bruise, you could have prolonged internal bleeding. Very dangerous. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And so in comes Rasputin, this new spiritual man who could foresee the future and had the ability to heal people, allegedly. A powerful man. Powerful. A powerful man. So now we've got the confluence of the Romanovs and Rasputin. So Empress Alexandra was no stranger to spiritualism herself. She actually had gone to some seances and clairvoyance. And as a mother now, she was pretty desperate to find a cure for her son, for obvious reasons. So after Rasputin was introduced to her and Nicholas at a dinner in November of 1905, they asked him if he could help with their son. Okay, got it. So one night, Rasputin spent some time with Alexei, and afterward, the bleeding stopped for a minute. Oh. A minute or two. A brief time. And there is a possible medical explanation to counter any mystical powers. So uh, from a skeptic viewpoint, some historians have said Rasputin told them to stop using aspirin because aspirin is a blood thinner. So if he had done that, then yes, it probably would have had the effect of slowing the bleeding, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. But when it happened, Alexander was so impressed that she named Rasputin as a close advisor to her and Nicholas. Wow. Can you imagine just telling someone one day, don't take a painkiller? And now you work for, like, the hot royal court. (laughs) Yeah, now you're, like, the mystical leader of a nation. Yeah. I know he uh, thought he was a healer growing up. He did think he had some sort of spiritual powers. But I feel like even he was probably like, whoa, we really climbed the ranks very quickly. (laughs) I would think so, right? Yeah. You're, You're probably already impressed that you got a dinner invite. And then all of a sudden you're, like, on the board. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, I need to keep it together all of a sudden. He was probably just like uh, Nicholas. He's probably like, I don't know how I got here. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I don't even know what aspirin is, but apparently. <laughs> I said it nearby. and now, yeah. <laughs> now that he was working with the royal court, the Rasputin gossip began. Mm. And as much gossip is, it was a bit exaggerated. 
So there were rumors of him sleeping around a lot. And while he did visit brothels and probably slept with some of his followers, there is no evidence that he was the sort of sex-crazed maniac people made him out to be. Oh. I know in the Rasputin song I mentioned, I think they even call him like Russia's greatest lover or something. Or what? biggest lover. I don't something see. like that. Between this and Rumpelstiltskin, I hadn't heard sex-crazed maniac. <laughs> <laughs> right. That one wasn't in the fairy books or the fairy tale books as a kid. Yeah. So this is new information, like, Either right, <laughs> right out of the case for me. Okay, so I didn't even know that there was a reputation that he was um, mm-hmm. a very uh, wild child, promiscuous. Okay. Yep. People also talked about his heavy drinking. That part I'm inclined to believe is true. Hmm. So I'm not going to say that was necessarily exaggerated. But all of that went against the idea that he was this religious man, which made the gossip that much more salacious, a.k.a. that much more fun, because this (laughs) (laughs) spiritual religious man is allegedly out there sleeping around, drinking up a storm. Yep. So stories about Rasputin's influence spread outside of Russia itself and throughout Europe. And people believed he lived with the imperial family, so they started sending mail addressed to him to the palace in Whoa. St. Petersburg. Oh my gosh. Which is, he's getting fan mail, basically, which is wild. Yeah. All because he suggested not taking aspirin one time. I wish my <laughs> flippant suggestions led me to things like this, but whatever, whatever. I mean, they, they led you to a trophy that says champion napper and... Uh... I didn't have to say anything flippantly. That was all <laughs> intentional. I was like, I think I'm going to take a nap. And then I'd wake up and be like, I think I'm going to take another nap. I think I'm pretty good at this, you said to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I said. Those were purely intentional statements every time versus like, I would just maybe not take an aspirin today. <laughs> well, between 1906 and 1914, these rumors about Rasputin got weaponized by politicians and journalists who wanted to criticize the imperial family and destroy their credibility. Mm. The truth was that Rasputin really didn't have any spiritual influence on the czar or his wife at the height of these rumors. He was basically only looking after Alexei's health. But then Russia entered World War I, and a new slew of Rasputin stories began, especially after he predicted that the war would not be good for the country of Russia. Well, not to be that person, but I think if you were a fortune teller and you go, war is bad, I'd be like, "Uh uh-huh, and I'd be like, ah, good, good job. Yeah, apparently this is what kind of turned the tides, but I'm also on the same page as you thinking... Well, yeah. (laughs) I mean, like, maybe it was more devastating than normal, but I can't really think of a time where, like, war was only beneficial. (laughs) Yeah, it was quite devastating for the country. So maybe he had a more specific, I don't know, fortune being told. But either way, when Nicholas II took command of the Russian army in 1915, oh, and you got to remember, Nicholas II has already admitted he doesn't know what he's doing. So I could have probably predicted this pretty well myself, but I'm just saying. (laughs) Not to like, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty and all, but mm, I see where Rasputin got this one. Yeah, I feel like he, that wasn't really telling a fortune more as like reading the room. And he was like... Reading the room, precisely. I don't know. I live with the guy. I get my mail sent to his house and like, it's not looking like this is going to be good. (laughs) Oh, boy. So when Nicholas II took command of the Russian army in 1915, Alexandra took over domestic policy, and she took a lot of heat from Russia's ministers who didn't trust Rasputin, but she continued to defend him and still made him out to be her close advisor. Hmm. So basically, this is during a war, right? She has taken over domestic policy, and she has this man who basically deals in spiritualism, clairvoyance, mystical acts, and he's 
openly advising the person who's basically running all of domestic affairs. So this is like yeah. a scary thing for, I think, a lot of people to be it's like the ministers to be looking at. Even in today's world, if that were happening anywhere, we would all be like, um, I don't know about that. That feels really yeah. like what what chokehold does this man have on you that yeah. you're keeping him around? Like, I don't know much about well, much at, uh, at all, but I definitely don't know much about civics. But I do feel like checks and balances is the kind of thing the U.S. has for exactly a situation like this. Yes. <laughs> This guy shows up, says, uh, yeah, I lived in the woods for three years. Anyway, I it was part of a big orgy cult. You know how it is. <laughs> yeah, I think I know what to do now that we're in a large, large war. <laughs> so I understand the heat. So she continued to defend him, said he's my advisor, but I can see the doubt and I can see why they would be doubtful. This led to soldiers in the war basically insinuating or outright saying that Alexandra and Rasputin were having an affair. I'm not really surprised, though, because I feel like that's an easy rumor to fall into. It's so easy. If he was already considered a sex-crazed, mm-hmm. you know, hooligan. And on top of that, he's staying in their house and the wife is, like, allowing all of this criticism to come her way and still defend him, even though mm-hmm. he's really not doing a whole lot. Like, but he's, you know, it it makes sense why you'd be like, oh, clearly they like each other or something for them to be putting up with all this. Absolutely. It's like the easiest, easiest rumor in this situation, I think, to start. There was no evidence of this, to be clear. But I feel like a pretty obvious next step for people trying to sully the name of the royal family. Yes. So at one point, Rasputin was accused of treason with Germany. He was also said to have undermined the war effort by starting, this is an interesting one, a cholera epidemic in St. Petersburg with poisoned apples imported from Canada. That was a lot of buzzwords that make no sense together. (laughs) Wait, (laughs) I wonder if he actually did. I feel like someone was playing telephone and like by the end they were like, wait, what? That's not what I said he did. It feels like the story started in like People magazine about like he might be sleeping with Alexandra and then like the Inquirer, the National Inquirer picked it up (laughs) and they were like, cholera and poisoned apples and... (laughs) Canada is also involved. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, that was another one of the rumors that he was trying to undermine the war effort by starting a cholera epidemic in St. Petersburg with poison apples imported from Canada. Uh If anyone needed to hear that sentence said one more time. (laughs) So (laughs) the public opinion of Rasputin that these stories created were more impactful than his actual views and actions, which understandable. These are some pretty, to say like he was in treason with Germany, to say he was trying to poison the town. I understand why people were skeptical or not fans of his if these were the things they were hearing and believing. Sure. Yeah. So all of that, unsurprisingly, led to people calling for him to be removed from his advisory position. As we know from history, Russia had some major losses in the war and lived through extreme poverty and high inflation. So ultimately, whether this is a hindsight on 2020 on our part, pretty obviously Rasputin's prophecy was correct. And Mm -hmm. he said this will not be good for us. And lo and behold, it was quite, quite bad. Okay. So finally, Russians blamed Nicholas II for his poor military decisions and Alexandra for mishandling the country's government. Yeah. Uh, And that's where we ended up. They at least admitted it going, like, they were like, we know we're not right for this, which, like, I do appreciate. (laughs) But... Yeah, in hindsight, too, I'm like, they were right. Like, maybe this should have gone to someone else to be in charge of these situations. 
Yeah, maybe someone not necessarily just uh, their friend Rasputin who came to dinner one time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe someone a little more professional. But what do I know? Up next, despite all the wild rumors, the blame finally went to the Imperial family. But what became of Rasputin? Uh, spoiler alert, it's not a happy ending. Oh, well, thank you for warning me for not getting my hopes up. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The night of December 30th, 1916, Rasputin was invited out to hang out with a group of Aristocats. Just, oh my God, I just said Aristocats. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so keep that part in, podcast. So we've got Rumpelstiltskin, we've got the Tomcat, and they're all dancing on a little piano in the alley. <laughs> I very intentionally told myself, don't mess this up. And then I immediately said, <laughs> said the famous Disney movie that is my favorite uh flick of a child my flick how old are you <laughs> old enough to be quoting the aristocats okay i feel like at least you caught yourself because i would have just said aristocats and been like, almost what about it, it? <laughs> i had to go back and really like repeat it in my head <laughs> anyway that's embarrassing okay let me try that again the night of december 30th 1916 rasputin was invited to hang out with a group of aristocrats mm -hmm. unfortunately these very much human aristocrats were also conspiring against him so he thought this was just a fun night out in the town with the human aristocrats with his human aristocrats not the feline ones not the feline ones which probably would have been a much better time <laughs> but these very much human aristocrats unfortunately fed Rasputin wine and cakes laced with cyanide oh so, becoming a true crime story very quickly yeah for whatever reason the poison didn't affect him which I find interesting considering he's kind of a spiritual healer and all that I, I wonder you know I just wonder I was gonna say like that's the power he should have been bragging about this whole time. For real. He just ate. He's like, thanks for the wine and, and cake. He just downed, completely faced <laughs> cyanide and went, what else? <laughs> anyway, what's next? All they did was get him drunk. So they didn't poison him. They got him drunk. He probably was having a great time. But unfortunately, they were determined to finish the job. So instead, they shot Rasputin multiple times. Whoa. Before, yeah, they, they were like, we got to pull this off tonight. They shot him multiple times, and then they wrapped his body in a carpet and threw it into the river. Whoa. Yeah, it was a very dramatic end for Rasputin. His body was found three days later. It 
makes me sad because, well, it makes me sad because he was murdered, but it also makes me sad thinking, you know, he used to just be kind of a spiritual dude wandering the woods, talking to kind of people in fringe beliefs, talking to, I don't know, kind of common folk, if you will. Uh And now that he's been invited to help serve the the imperial family, he's kind of taken out. Just had things gone differently. He wouldn't have ended up in the way he did. So yeah. yeah, yeah. It's kind of a tragic story. So he may have been killed, but Rasputin got the last word because before hmm. he died, M, he gave one last prophecy. <gasps> War is still bad. <laughs> Go see the Aristocats. It will be an excellent movie. <laughs> in theaters, 1968 or whatever the hell that film came out. He did. He gave one last prophecy. He said that if he were killed by government officials, the entire imperial family would be killed by the Russian people. That's a quite Uh, ominous statement. I feel like the entire family heard that prophecy and they were like, like, what did Taylor say that one time? Uh, Taylor Swift, I would like to be excluded from the narrative. Like, I feel like <laughs> they were like, yeah, they're like, wait, 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 wait. Keep my name out of your mouth. Please don't insert me into this weird prophecy where we all get murdered. Thank you. Yeah, we didn't put you in a rug. That was those yeah. crazy aristocrats. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he says if he were killed by government officials, the entire imperial family would be killed by the Russian people. Well, Lo and behold, we probably all know this, but a year and a half later, the Tsar, his wife, and all of their children were tragically murdered by assassins <gasps> during the Russian Revolution. And so, therefore, basically Rasputin's last, I want to say threat almost, but his last prophecy came true. Wow. I did not know that that happened. About the Russian Revolution? Well, that the Nicholas and his wife and the children were all assassinated during it. I had no well, idea. Well, haven't you seen Anastasia? I was too busy watching the Aristocats. <laughs> Anastasia was not my thing. So no. Also, I feel like uh, I should have probably learned about it somewhere else than just uh, Anastasia. And that also completely passed me. So yeah, that's the story of Rasputin. And what do you think? It makes me think right away of, of like the fraudulent medium stories that we've covered mm-hmm. in the past on. And that's why we drank. But I don't know. I, I keep hoping that we're going to cover somebody who actually has some like convincing For my own fascination, I want there to be like a really convincing story of someone who's really healing people. But I think this was just a guy who kind of wandered in one day by accident and just kind of gave some good advice one time. And it happened to be the imperial like family. Yeah. (laughs) He just kind of landed well. And I'm inclined to believe also that he's less scammy than some of the people we've read about. Like, I don't think he was like, haha, I'm totally pulling one over on these people. I think he probably really believed he was doing what he said he was doing yeah at least he wasn't like grifting or anything like that it it feels like even he in the story i've come up with in my head at least the backstory is that he feels like even he was kind of shocked that he ended up where he did i don't know if his whole plan was to wander around for years by himself like he didn't i don't think plan on staying with royal families eventually it just kind of happened yeah it kind of just seemed like I mean, you said wandered into and like in a quite literal way, wandered into the situation. Yeah. <laughs> off the I was going to say the streets, but more like the the woods out of the woods. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It, it's pretty it's pretty wild. And like I knew that he was an advisor to the imperial family. That's about it. I didn't really know that he had kind of wandered around in, in chains, self-inflicted chains. I didn't even know he was considered a sex crazed 
maniac. But then I wonder what the how much of that has to do with the fact that he was involved in spirituality, because I feel like there is that trope throughout mm-hmm. time of if you're in the occult, you're a sex crazed you know, devil worshiper or something. And it sounds like for a moment he actually was. He might have actually (laughs) dabbled for a minute. He might be the first cautionary tale that makes sense. (laughs) But yeah, other than that, it just sounds like, I don't know if he was necessarily a healer, but, you know, good story. He was a character. Character. He was a character. We can definitely agree on that. I also want to add that I, I don't know, my gut is that he didn't think he was being he was duping people like I don't think I mean at least just from the very limited knowledge I have I don't think he thought he was grifting these people like it seems almost like he really truly believed he wasn't like necessarily the classic snake oil salesman you see like coming into town all slick and like worming his way in like it seems almost like he really believed what he was selling so to speak uh part of me feels like he knew what he was doing like once he found out he was like basically living with royals he was like all right i might as well keep this going but another part of me thinks like if his friend was the literal leader who's saying yo i don't know what i'm doing i feel like at dinner one time over drinks he could have been like i don't know what i'm doing either (laughs) and that way i feel like maybe he wasn't duping them because i feel like they both started off on a very honest foot of like we're just guessing here I'm totally making it up, but who knows? And it sounds like the things that he was saying weren't really wild. Like he was like, oh, this war is not a good idea. Yeah. And they did it anyway. So it's not like he was (laughs) controlling the puppet strings. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. I don't know. So I can see why he would get in the like the point of fire. What do you call it? The a confluence, the confluence, a Rasputin. (laughs) I can see why he would be in the line of fire. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, oh, oh. ministers who are trying to steer the country in a certain way and this fella just kind of literally wanders in off the street i can see why he would be kind of uh not a a, a hero of the the russian people in that way (laughs) makes sense thanks so much for listening we'll be back next week with another great episode Information on today's episode came from Biography, Sky History TV, Smithsonian Magazine, Russia Beyond, and Time Magazine. Remember to follow Rituals on Spotify to get a brand new episode every week. And you can listen to this and all other episodes of Rituals for free exclusively on Spotify. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. You can follow me at Xteen Schiefer. And you can find me at The M. Schultz. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week. Rituals is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by Max Cutler. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Jamie Ryan. Research by Chelsea Wood. Fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez. It's produced by Kristen Acevedo and Jonathan Ratliff with production assistance by Ron Shapiro. We are your hosts, Christine Schiefer and M. Schultz. Schultz.